All right, thank you for listening to this podcast. This episode of Literally is sponsored by Lexicon and Line. Case, tell us a little something about Lexicon and Line. Uh, Lexicon and Line it does three things. They, they are communications consultants. They teach professional business writing and speaking courses, and they are research and data evaluation experts. And you can find everything about Lexicon Online at lexicononline.com. Please give them a visit. And thank you so much for sponsoring this podcast, Lexicon Online. This is Case Johnson. This is the Literally Podcast. We're broadcasting from the Monarch in Banyan 1 on Historic 25th Street in Ogden, Utah. Today we are talking with Melon Dash and Allie Meeks, authors of the of the book uh, Conquer Your Fear of the Triathlon Swim. Um, we're going to jump into a few I have a few questions to begin um, because I have found myself as a budding triathlete um, have going through or experiencing some of the many things that um, Melon and Allie introduce within the book and then kind and then um, jump into conquering in the book but which having read the book conquering isn't the correct word um, you know feeling comfortable and moving forward in the safe zone throughout the swim uh, from the very beginning would be the more accurate terminology I believe from the book um, but for me it would be conquering um, just because it's an easier word for right now but I'll let them explain uh, how they define moving forward in the triathlon um, confidently and safely as through the swimming portion of the race um, so having read the book it's I I found I was I mean I was I was really intrigued initially um, and let me tell you why is because my f I've only done two uh, triathlons um, and I decided to jump straight to 70.3 you know why do the smaller races um, and so I uh, because I'm really strong on the bike, really strong on the on the run. Throughout my 20s, I did duathlons in the in Ohio and and uh, Illinois and such, which were really popular out there. Which in Utah, it's they're very very hard to find. But so I really worked for about uh, 10, 12 years on my bike and my swim, and I've always been a lifelong runner. But the one thing that kept me from signing up for duathlons over those 10 to 15 years uh, and and sticking with running was my fear of the swim. Um, it was a, it was a real rooted fear. I'd always been a good, you know, like a casual swimmer. I grew up swimming. I was comfortable in the water, but, um, all of the things that Allie and Melon discuss within the book go beyond that kind of comfortable swim, uh, uh through childhood or through re recreationally. Um, they really look at that really driving fear of new triathletes when it comes to the triathlete, the, tr the swim within at the beginning of the triathlon and most recently uh, i had two races for the first was a, uh the swim was in a one of those water skiing lakes you know man-made they were like 70 it was like 74 degrees uh you could step off to the side uh, like seven feet and stand there and so i really didn't have any anxiety with that swim um even with the amount of people but then the second one is uh was last year and it was in saint george and it was deep dark water uh it was very very cold and there were about five thousand of us compared to five or six hundred in the previous race um so just to, i want people to buy the book so i don't want you to give them all of the clues all of the answers when we discuss this um but what have you found when it comes to um 
swimmers who like me um, are comfortable swimming can get in the lap pool for an hour hour and a half no problem no no problems endurance wise but when they go to the race um, what have you found is is most problematic uh, for those triathletes yeah so I'll take that one to start if you want this is Allie speaking uh, so I think what's most problematic is kind of making that transfer from um, from pool to open water there's there's an understanding of how the water works that sometimes is missing or isn't as solid as it could be. And in doing so, in, in learning how the water works, you kind of transfer over this information. So, so basically what I'm saying is there's a, there's a basis of understanding like the physics of the water and how your body works in the water that, that often can be masked when you're swimming in the pool because you always have the wall and the bottom and things like that to kind of hem you in. And you don't ever have a case where you have to rely on yourself for your safety. You're kind of using these other places. And so all of that kind of comes to fruition when you come out in the open water and you realize, wow, you know, maybe I don't really know how to use a float or I don't know how to use my own body for my safety and I don't know how to stay calm. And, and those things kind of, I guess to me, that's, that's the biggest kind of transition when people make that transition is there's some a lot of times some basic information that's missing and so that is what we really talk about a lot in the book we, we really want to talk about let's learn this information because everybody had different swim lessons or didn't and we want to help people understand these things and how to transfer their own safety to their own selves and therefore feel just as comfortable in the open water as they do in the pool great answer i found that um Sometimes we'll have someone who is a triathlete or wants to be a triathlete in our classes and they'll say, okay, today's the first day of class and I want to be in a, in a triathlon in three months. And I say, how far do you have to swim? And they'll say half a mile. And I'll say, oh, where did you get this idea <laughs> that you can do this? Because they don't know the water, like Ali is saying. And um, there's a basic misunderstanding I think in the culture now and it's been there for about I, I would say it's been building for 20 or 30 years that learning to swim is learning to do freestyle and all you have to do is this with your arms and this with your legs and you'll get there and hopefully breathe rhythmically because a lot of people can't do that they need to turn over onto their back to breathe and because they think that they can get from here to there doing this with their arms and legs, even though they don't know anything about how the deep water works, that it holds them up, they think they can swim. And swimming lessons have been teaching this. And this is a disservice that we really, with our book, want to try to clear up and make people understand, you may think that you know how to swim, but if you can't take care of yourself and water over your head, you can't, you can't, you can stroke. Um, you can almost swim, but there's a key piece that you absolutely have to have to stay safe and to say that you can swim. That's a good way to put it in. Actually, one of our colleagues, Chris Canada came up with, I believe this idea of choreography versus movement. And um, uh, I don't know if that's the, the right contrast there, but it's the idea of choreography, the idea that knowing how to swim is kind of this other side. That's this, this, you know, imagine someone who can dance, like, you know, you can just kind of dance at a wedding. That's, that's, that would be sort of knowing how to swim. That's being comfortable 
having fun, knowing how the water works, not panicking, having this really comfortable, safe feeling in the water. And then there's swimming that's strokes. And that would be like choreography of dancing like waltzing or the mambo or whatever. I'm not even sure that's a dance. But, <laughs> you know, the idea that in dancing, there's there's just having fun and knowing, having a good time. And then there's this choreography. And then swimming, you have being safe in the water. And then you have this choreography of strokes. So we really differentiate that in the book. And we really break it down, like way down to the very basics of what does it mean to like move in the water? What does it mean to float in the water? How does it feel? Like, what is all this happening before we even add in, okay, you need to move your arms in this particular way because we feel like that um, that's, that's a more advanced way and you can start even simpler and you can be safe at a very simple, simple, basic level. And the choreography is what adds the efficiency to swimming. So we, we, we say learn to swim, which is learn to be safe in water over your head. And once you're safe, then learn the choreography, which is what makes your swimming efficient. And freestyle is the most efficient stroke. So that's why everyone wants to do it. Well, they, they want to do it because that looks cool. And that's what everyone who wants to go fast and is going fast is doing. And that's fine. And that's understandable. And that's true. It is faster. But first, you have to have the safety piece. Um, this takes me to another question um, and that is this idea of and going back to what I what I was saying at the beginning of uh, when we started talking that you don't you guys you within the book you don't advocate like the terminology of pushing through fears or conquering fears and um, can you expand upon that a bit um, for because um, because as you know in the book too, that that's kind of how we've always been taught with a lot of things when it comes to not only swimming, but a lot of things in life that if you're going to do it, just push through it and then you'll be okay in the end. Um, can you expand upon that kind, that, um, that concept of conquer is not the best way to look at this? Yes. I, um, there are three things you can do with fear. You can avoid it and not ever sign up for a try. You can manage it, which is, I'm afraid, but I'm gonna push through it. Or you can heal it, which is what our book says. And avoiding it gets to be too limiting and people don't wanna do it. And so they say, well, I wanna overcome my fear. And I've always been taught that the way to do that is to head it, hit it straight on, you know, face it head on and push through it. But in the water where your life is at stake, it's not a good idea. And there are a lot of drownings that have happened in triathlons. Sometimes we don't know if people had heart attacks because they were so afraid or because they were afraid uh, or because they just had a heart attack, you know, because of health reasons or whatever. And uh, for people who, who overcome their fear by hitting it straight on and just busting through, muscling through it, do they get to the other side with a lot of satisfaction and relief? I'm not talking about the water, I'm talking about other fears. Um, I work with people who are afraid of flying, for instance, and people who are uh, claustrophobic. And when they bust through and they, they sit at, a, at their seat on a plane and grist the arm rest with their fingernails during the turbulence, they are not saying to themselves, I'm overcoming my fear. They're saying, I'm living through this. This is, does not make me happy. This is so bad. I really don't want to fly again. 
So that kind of managing isn't very satisfying. Have some people who have confronted their fear head on overcome it? Yes, but in swimming, is it a good idea? We don't think so. Like sometimes you'll hear people say, um, I, my husband is an avid scuba diver. I wanted to scuba dive, but I was afraid. So I decided I'd take a scuba diving class to overcome it. No, <laughs> they don't overcome their fear that way. Uh, have some, yeah, some have, but they, they don't love it. They haven't become converts like lifelong swimmers like Allie and I are, you know, and maybe you are too. So to sum that up, um, we believe in healing the fear um, because A, it's possible, B, it makes swimming safely accessible for the rest of your life, C, it makes triathlon safer, uh, D, it makes triathlon a more accessible sport to more people if they know that it's safe, and uh, it's too painful to be afraid and swim in a try. It's it just not so fun. More fun. It can be so much more fun. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And actually we named the book Conquer Your Fear of the Triathlon Swim for a couple of reasons. One, we thought that's what people would Google. Yeah. Oh no, absolutely. So afraid, that's what they're going to Google. And so we knew that if we called it Heal Your Fear, it might not have such high number of hits. And <laughs> that's one reason. The second reason is that Millen has written a book prior to this, which is called Conquer Your Fear of Water. And it's really aimed at beginners that are starting to be interested in learning how to swim. And she has classes that you can take and I teach them also. And so do many other instructors across the country that are called miracle swimming. And they're called that because the, the people that take it say, wow, this is a miracle. But those classes really focus on people that are afraid of the water to start. Some people have been in the water, some have not. And we knew that some of these same issues were going on in the triathlon community, but that they would never probably pick up that book because they think, well, I already know how to swim. It's just mm -hmm. the triathlon that's bugging me. So we kind of decided together to bring this information to the triathlon community, hoping to, like she said, really make it way more satisfying, way more fun, because there's a common sentiment that we hear a lot, as I hear a lot as a coach, which is, I just got to get through the swim. You know, I'll just be all right. I'm just nervous, but I got to get through it. Once I get done with the swim, I will have a great day on the bike and run. And, and we just thought, Ugh. you know, we really want people to be like, mm -hmm. this is going to be great. The whole day is going to be great. We're going to have a blast yeah. because that's how I feel at the start line. And we just wanted everyone to feel that way. Yeah. And I have to admit, that's exactly where I am. I'm, I get me through the swim, you know, survive it and then get me on the bike where I can eat food and drink Gatorade and then get me to the run my favorite part. Right. I mean, that's, and I don't think, like you said, I don't think that's uncommon at all. Um, going back really, really quickly to the idea of calling it conquering. Once, uh, for those who should be picking up this book, if you're triathletes or if you're just looking to um, to get past that fear of swimming in open water, um, my thought is that it's more of a, the, the authors in this situation define conquering differently. It's more of like that killing, killing through conquering through kindness and that kindness is for through your self-care and instead of like just beating yourself up to get to to get to a point where you can survive it so it's more of caring about yourself and the process of it uh is a it's a different way of conquering it's just a different connotation of that we're than we're used to within when we look at con when we look at conquering um, and going back to what you were saying earlier um that was like what melon was talking about the like with getting into that open water where it's dangerous, uh, I didn't know I had the fear. Like the first try I did, I had no fear of the water. I, it was warm, it was wonderful. Um, 
but then I, I realized very quickly that I had I, ha- I had a panic attack um, and I had to go find a kayaker and I said, okay, well, I'm going to sit here, me and about seven other people right, hanging out of the kayak. And I said, I'm going to swim to the next buoy and I'm going to give it a shot. You know, after I caught my breath, after I started to breathe and I swam to the next buoy, by the time I got there, I was fine. I finished. It was, you know, I actually had a really nice swim after that kind of initial kind of pa- panic attack. Um, but that was my fault. I mean, I think that was my fault in the sense that I didn't get into open water, deep, cold, open water with other people. I'd, I'd been in open water. I'd been deep before, uh, to practice, but I, it was that shock and it was all the other people. And it was just that rush, um, that got me. And I think maybe sometimes people don't know that they have that fear until they get into that situation, um, that might go, but might push people away from the sport because that's their only kind of experience with, with triathlon. Um, if you were looking at, and I love what, I love what you said about how, you know, here and then in the book that, uh, we do freestyle for efficiency, you know, it, it gets us there faster. Um, and if I were to, and please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, if I were to look at what you're saying in the book, it'd be better for swimmers to get out there, feel safe, feel confident and keep themselves safe, not do freestyle before even trying to get out there and be efficient and to go quick. I mean, it, like if you were to say to somebody, well, I, go try a sprint. Cause it's what was, what is the sprint distance for? Usually 400 meters, 400 meters, which takes probably 15 minutes or something less than that. Yeah. yeah. 20, minutes. 20 minutes. Um, would you, I mean, would you push them to feel safe and confident for that swim first, even if they're backstroking or if they're like kind of doing a different swim technique than freestyling, or would you push them to feel completely comfortable and then feel comfortable freestyling and then enter the sprint? Does that question, does that make sense? It does. Uh, And the idea is that they would want to be really comfortable even before they sign up for the race. So like she said, it's, it's hard when there's a deadline. Mm-hmm. So if someone's like, I really want to do this race this year, but I'm afraid of the water. You know, if it's someone that I'm interested in talking to or coaching, I always, we talk about, you know, that, that there's a, the deadline doesn't help. So it's better to just do it on your own time. Enjoy, really practice, enjoy swimming. And then, yeah, then they can do the race. However, they're co- the most comfortable. So the most comfortable thing would be swimming on their back and having fun with that if they can feel comfortable and feel like they can see the buoys and can flip over and see where they're going. Um, I've had some people that, uh, to finish that thought, then yeah, that'd be fun for them. If it's fun to swim that way and you enjoy it and you feel safe and great. Um, if flipping over on your front makes them, makes them scared, then I would say, you know, then that's not the time to sign up for the race sure. because you're doing something you're, you are really comfortable with on your back and then you're flipping over and you're freaking yourself out every time. Then you're not, you're not really in the swimmer category yet. You're still, you know, it's, it's not a place that's, that's fun for you. So I've actually had some athletes come to me and say, Oh yeah, I finished the race, but I had to swim the whole thing on my back. And I'm like, good for you. Good mm-hmm. for you for choosing what felt good. Good for you for doing what wasn't scary and for taking your own safety into your own body and saying, I'm, I'm responsible and I'm using mm-hmm. my back float to do it. I'm not relying on the bottom or the wall or the kayakers. Not that there's anything wrong with using those things, but it's neat when you get to really feel that your safety is derived in yourself and you don't rely on other people. So um, I guess, does that answer your question? Yeah, it absolutely does. Oh yeah. I want to say also case um, 
thank you for saying that you were afraid and that you found out that you were afraid when you were out there and that you had a panic attack. I think one of the most important things that we can do as uh, coaches and triathletes is to make people know it's okay to say they're afraid. Uh, so many people don't know they're afraid. They wouldn't call their fear fear. They'd call, I don't, they'd say, I don't like it, or uh, this isn't my best sport or something like that. But they won't say I'm afraid and it's okay to be afraid. It, it's the first chance you have of doing something constructive about it when you say you're afraid. There's nothing wrong with being afraid. No fear had, has a dishonest beginning. Every fear has an honest beginning. And there are good reasons um, when people have become afraid, there are reasons why they're afraid. And we need to go back and undo those and have people understand what's really happening in the water and help them take care of their memories so that they don't control them next time they're in the water and really turn this around to make um, them safe and the sport safe. Because when you think about it, if someone is panicking out there in the in the crowd, um, it's not only them that, that isn't safe, it's other people too, because somebody who's really having a hard time is going to be on top of somebody else to, to push their themselves up. We yeah. know that from, from drowning experiences, people will just push down the person who has come to help them so that they can come up. It's not a malicious thing. It's just what you do to get to the air. Yeah, I... Um... It makes that makes so much sense to me and um just to, to to kind of piggyback on that um psychologically do you find that because a lot of people that that come into triathlon are already uh athletes they've already been strong runners or they've always already been strong cyclists or they've already been both and they come in do you feel that you butt up against this kind of what is what you would be able to define it better than me um and i i don't say i don't want to say macho mentality but more of this kind of um and i see it with a lot of my endurance runner friends my ultra runner friends they can do anything right um, and even if they're injured which was why my ankle is messed up but do you think that because you're dealing a lot of times with people who've been successful in other athletic or endurance events that you butt up against more, um, what's, what word am I trying to look for? Butt up against more kind of like pigheadedness when it comes to admitting fears and then or maybe even admitting that they shouldn't be doing this yet. Does that make sense? Stubborn yeah, people, right? Yeah, capable, can do. These are people that are high achievers, high performers. And so they have been very successful by pushing through many other things and barriers in their life. So that's the MO. That's the way to get through things. And so I think coming at it compassionately and just saying, you know, hey, I've got a way to make this way better and make you faster in the long run. Because if someone's comfortable, they're way faster and looser and more mm -hmm. life in the water than they are when they're tight and scared and anxious in their mind and in their body. So yeah, I think, um, yeah, you tend to see that. I think you could see it with anyone, but there is a, what's what's good about that is the opportunity there is they're very motivated to want to change things. Once they know there's a problem, they're really ready to learn and, and look. And that's why we've had such success with the book because they're like, hey, you know, all right, I got to fix this. And, and what's the best way? And we just feel like this is a really good way. And it's, it's, I, I think it's the best way. Otherwise I wouldn't, we wouldn't have written the book. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good way. And it, it really gets to, like she said, the heart of what's the, what the issues are so that 
you can really move forward and those people want to just jump right on and, and get it, get into it as fast as they can so that they can, you know, get beyond it eventually and have fun with it. I've also found that athletes um, who have a lifelong um, dedication to, to their sport and to getting better and to training are in the habit of pushing past what's painful. And um, I, I found this myself and I found that uh, it had become such a habit that at some point in my life, I realized I don't know when to stop. I have this thing that says, don't quit no matter what. Mm -hmm. And that made me work too hard a few times in my life. And I realized I've developed this habit as a swimmer, as a competitive swimmer. Um, I won't stop at anything. And this is not a good thing. (laughs) I need to know when to stop. And one of the things that uh, somebody who's afraid needs to know is, okay, I am not feeling in control of my safety anymore. It's time to stop. In fact, it's time to stop this triathlon thing until I get my fear. I need until I heal it until it's just not there. I can do other sports. I can train, but I need to take care of this um, to make myself a more rounded person and make myself safer, probably not only in the try, but also maybe in the way I approach my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, that's a, I like looking at, uh, looking at both of your answers. I, um, first off talking with, uh, athletes by saying I can make you faster by taking this route. Um, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and secondly, just pushing through that makes a lot of sense too. I, um, I've, I've, I've been there myself, you know, I did a, I did a 21 mile race last weekend. We climbed to 10,000 feet twice and I did it on seven, seven days after I was on the mountain rolled my ankle bad, had like flew into boulders and had contusions all up and down my body. And, um, the doctor said, you shouldn't do this. Um, and I went out with about 1600 milligrams of Motrin and I completed the race and, um, now I'm not walking on my foot. Um, it's one of those times where I've done this a couple of times. Usually I'm much smarter. Usually I'm smarter, but I, this year with COVID, it was the one race that was still happening because it was in the middle of Wyoming and you could social, it was social distance. They did a great job. Um, and it was a real challenge and I needed, so I said, well, it's the one race I can do this year. Um, I'm going to go for it. And right now I'm kicking myself because of what you just talked about, Melon, is that, in life and in time, I should have known. I've been do. I've been out this for decades, um, and I should have known this is not the time to take all that Motrin and just go for it. Um, I'm glad I did the race. I mean, mostly because it was you know I conquered it. I guess in that sense, uh, but it wasn't that smart. You know, it wasn't that smart of an idea, and that's why I. I, I I asked the question about with athletes, do you, you know, psychologically you run into this stubbornness of I've done it before I can push through it again. Um, and to go back to what you're talking about, um, with fear and saying, well, I made it through, uh, there are a lot of things in my life right now that after that St. George swim, I've said, well, and even on the mountain last week, I've said, well, I made it through that St. George swim. 
So now I can I can finish this race even though it's 90 degrees at 10,000 feet and I feel awful. Um, but I don't think that is a great kind of shouldn't be the barometer in which I kind of face things in the future based on your book because this is not a safe this is not a safe place for an athlete to be in to say I can push through this because I pushed through something else that I felt like was going to kill me. Um, um, but let's let's switch gears a little bit to go back to uh, what you were saying earlier about not letting yourself forget the fear, not letting yourself forget uh, the panic. And now there was a place within the book, and I, I hope that you're okay with me sharing this, uh, that I thought was really, really, really interesting. And this was writing that letter to yourself about um, the fears or writing your or letter to yourself about the swim or writing the letter to the swim, right, about what you feared and then having the swim write back to you. Um, and I actually did this. So I, I did this for uh, uh, because, you know, I, my most recent attempt was was kind of rough and so I wrote that letter looking at many of the things that you both put in the book about buoyancy about floating about moving forward all of these lessons uh, about feeling safe and if you know and I you know I put out there that well there was a moment there was just too many people around me um, the wetsuit was felt a little bit too tight in that cold water where it didn't feel that way in the warm water um, these were my fears and also my fear and this was a big one and you guys you, you'll understand this that I had trained for four months, four and a half months for this race. And there was a fear that if I turned back, I would be a failure. Um, and that I would have to tell my wife that I spent 20 to 25 hours a week training for this event. And then I turned around and I failed. You know, I spent $600, $700 total, total for the weekend with the hotel room and the driving and the event. Because, you know, the, the official Ironman brand, as you know, is not cheap um, and for their races. Um, so there was that fear too. And I think that was the fear that pushed me from the kayak to the next buoy that I, if I turn around, I have to apologize. My, my, my wife would never make me apologize. She'd rather me be alive. I know her. Um, but at the same time, there's that fear too. Um, so I wrote that and then I wrote the letter back, you know, from the swim. And basically it was like, you, if you were feeling this uncomfortable, the safest choice would probably would have been to turn around. Um, based on what reading in the, with reading from the book. And the second thing that it said to me was, you know, uh, there's all this water out here. You're actually buoyant out here. And if you just breathe, you'll be just fine, just like you always have been when you've settled yourself down. Um, without giving too much away for the rest of the book, because I want people to really delve in and read the book, is there other advice that you can give when it comes to someone who's had somewhat of an event like uh, an experience like that to getting back in the pool or back in the open water? Um, now I think you're, you're calling on the most basic part of the book, which, is, which we haven't spoken about yet, and that is the system for overcoming fear. And the system that we've used, I've used for 37 years teaching miracle swimming is um, it's, it's reliable. You just can't go wrong with it. And to answer your question, um, I say, okay, um, you're afraid, um, but we need to start from where you are. We can't start from someplace that you're not. 
what we need to do is if you're willing, if it sounds like fun and we'll make it fun, we'll do whatever it takes to make it fun. Let's go to the water and we won't do anything that's scary. Let's do the basic things, the things that you can be completely in control for. And um, when people start doing things that they can be completely in control for, which might be uh, being at the water's edge and floating in two feet of water and getting the feeling that yes, the water really does hold me up and then playing games like, can you get to the bottom in two feet of water? Well, actually, no, I can't, especially with a wetsuit on and, and doing things that really start to bring people's confidence back. Those are absolutely necessary for um, healing a fear, um, taking care of a memory that you just had that you, you, you're, you really don't want to repeat and you want to make sure that you're well prepared next time. How do I get myself to where I need to be? We have to take a step back. And we say taking a step back is a forward step. And it is, your, your, your steps that seem like a backward step are not backward steps, they're forward steps toward getting where you wanna be. That's right, and what kind of what she's talking about too in regarding going to where you're really comfortable is that when you're really comfortable, you have a lot of control, like she said, and you get that control by being really present and by feeling what's happening in your body. So in that case you were talking about, and just for listeners that aren't familiar with Ironman 70.3 St. George, that is the most difficult swim known in the known Ironman world. It is the hardest swim, hands down. It's just known for being extremely windy and extremely volatile in terms of wind conditions and chop. So it's, it's, it's not a small thing to say you've completed that swim. It's really incredible to, to finish that swim. So um, for everyone, anyone. And, uh, and so in that swim, you know, being in the wetsuit, being present in your body would have meant that you would have felt, hey, wait, I'm in a wetsuit. It's basically a flotation device that's not approved by the Coast Guard because it doesn't keep your face out of the water, but it's going to float you. I mean, you're not going anywhere, but you can't feel that when your mind is panicking and it is in the fear zone, there's not any feeling of what's happening in the, in the body. Uh, those things aren't connected well. So uh, what she's talking about when we go back and have people, you know, begin at the really beginning and doing things that are very comfortable, they can reconnect with their physical sensations and what they're getting from their sensory uh, parts of their body. And, and that gives them back that sense of control. They have, they have that control and then stepwise moving into the different skills that go from there, prioritizing calm and, and control. Then those other things become interesting and fun. And like she said, really committing to calm and committing to fun is is really the key. So I, um, yeah, so that's what I would add to that. Well, that makes me feel better about St. George a little bit. Um, uh, yeah, I, and the bike is brutal too. Well, the whole thing's brutal. That's so brutal. I had people run by me at the end and say, this 70.3 feels longer than a lot of the, the full Ironmans I've done before you know just yeah. because just because oh. the client you climb like crazy but you know i think it's probably like like with anything people forget how hard the previous race was when they're in the when, when they're in the current race there's like this was harder than the the full i did in florida well that's because you're not doing the full right now you're just doing 7.3 um so i mean we're at uh, 38 minutes and this is right at the sweet spot so um this is case johnston this is a literally podcast uh we're we're uh, talking with ali meeks and melon dash uh, about conquering the triathlon swim so far i've uh, well from reading the book i learned a lot and i'm gonna really use a lot of the steps um 
within the book to improve my swim. And I noted before the before we started talking, today's my first day in the pool because of COVID-19 in about five months, and I cannot wait to get into the pool. Um, so at this portion, I would like to open it up to you all for the next five, six, seven minutes uh, to for to just kind of whatever you would like to tell our readers about the book, um, about swimming or anything that uh, that we haven't we haven't tackled so far that you would like to introduce them so that they should go out and 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 purchase the book. Hmm. Go ahead, Allie. Okay. Well, what I would say is, in the despite the name of the book, Conquer Your Fear of the Triathlon Swim, it isn't just for people that have fear. I think that there are a lot of people who could benefit who are just plain old triathletes that don't either don't have any fear, don't think they have any fear. Not only would it be helpful to them to understand some of these underpinnings we spoke of earlier on buoyancy and and sense, feeling your your sensory, you know, all of that. Those kind of things are helpful for anyone. So it is aimed at those with fear, but I really hope that a lot of people that don't have to go read it and not only gain something from it themselves and really be faster and better swimmers, but also recommend it to those who confide in them about their own fears. Yes, and I'd like to say um, there's there are a lot of things that come up in a triathlon and before a triathlon that the book uh, helps with which is uh, one of the reasons why people who aren't afraid in water might benefit from reading it. One of them is being nervous before the race. Another is things that happen during a race. I remember one try that I did, and this was one where the swim was last and the water was really cold. And I had done my, you know, the, the first two legs and then I got in the water. Swimming is my best event, so I couldn't wait to do that. I thought, oh man, I'm gonna be passing people now. <laughs> and, and even though I have two degrees in exercise physiology, I did not know that it was possible for me to get cramps mm -hmm. in my quads and my hamstrings at the same time. I was, that's what I was exactly thinking when you were building up to that with the cold water, I was thinking cramping. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. And so there I was swimming. This has never happened in my life. And it happened in one leg. And I said, well, I can't kick that leg. And pretty soon it happened in the other leg. And I said, I, I thought, well, I am really glad I'm not afraid. You know, mm -hmm. this is no more legs for the rest of this swim. And it happened at the beginning of the swim. So when this kind of thing happens, can you stay in your body? You know, which is the language of the book. Can you stay present right here and just know, well, you know, I can get air whenever I want it and I can stop if I want, I can float on my back and rest if I need to, but somehow I got to get to the finish line and I can do it. It's not going to be pretty. It doesn't feel good, but I'm not afraid. Um, we need to know, everyone needs to know really how to stay in control, how to prevent themselves from go, from ramping up into that next level where now their heart rate is speeding and they're thinking, oh no, what if? We don't want to, anyone to be in what if. We want them to be in right now. I'm taking care of myself. I'm okay. This is going to be okay. Mm -hmm. that's, that's a great example. Um, and I, I was, I was thinking cramping just because all that you're, did you go run, bike, swim, or did you do bike, run, swim? It was, I think it was run, bike, swim. Yeah. Coming off the bike with that same motion over and over again with your quads and your hamstrings. I was thinking cramping immediately. Um, and I would be scared to death. And that's, but that's your point, right? I mean, the point is that even when these things happen in the race, you should feel as if you should, you should have, you should feel as if you could get through. Just like you said, it's not going to be pretty. 
Um, well, I want to thank you guys again. Thanks, Vince Fawn, for hooking us up. I, it was a great suggestion. Um, uh, this is one of Vince's books, by the way, um, Brandon. Yeah. Um, so uh, I just appreciate you guys joining us. And um, we will get this edited and we'll get it kicked out. We'll share. Um, this is Case Johnston. This is Literally Podcast. We, I'd like to thank Allie and Mellon for joining us today to talk about something that I I love it when I can get books that talk about endurance sports because we could have honestly gone for another an hour and a half. Um, but I appreciate you joining us this morning. Thank you so much for having us. Absolutely. Thanks for inviting us. This is so much fun. We love talking about our stuff. <laughs> well, of course. And when you, when you, well, when you know so much, right, it's, it's, you know, like I said, I probably could have listened to you guys and person, and I probably would have had 25 more personal questions, <laughs> you know, for the next two or three hours, but, uh, yeah. you Call know, us up I, I, Hey, <laughs> no, you're on the hook now. I promise. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. I can't wait. Yeah, I really do want to hear more about your journey and like how it goes when you apply some of the things in the book and like mm -hmm. how it goes when you're back in the open water and all that. I totally want to know. And yeah, call either of us anytime. We'd be glad to talk to you about it. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we want we want your experiences to be shared with other people so they know there's hope. Mm -hmm. You know, we we what good is it to write a book when people don't uh, aren't out there using it and seeing that it's available. So thank you so much for helping them know. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I'm dumb too. I mean, that's tr that's obvious. Um, because I, you know, I should have started. I should have started with a sprint. You know, why did I not start with a sprint? Um, I just, you know, I transferred over the amount of time I would spend during the week training for marathons or ultras, and I felt like, hey, that's the same amount of time I would train for a seventy point three. So I might as well just transfer that time. Um, but for the sprint, for the for the swim i should have done it just for practice just for that sense of confidence probably so and and maybe even going up to lake george a couple times and getting in and doing what she said at the shoreline like those kinds of preparatory things can be really good if people can go to the race venue or if they mm -hmm. can before you even signed up you know make sure that you're comfortable with everything so but yeah i mean hindsight's 2020 my first yeah. run race was a marathon so i totally get yeah you. yeah exactly <laughs> right yeah you just look at it you think well the amount of time i'm going to spend during the week i might as well just why would I, why would I chop that down? You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, and the thing St. George too, is just, it's crazy. I think the day before we, I spent six hours just getting my bike set up because the way in which they have it out way out at the lake. And then, and then you have to drop off your bike. And then there was so much traffic that I was in the car for like three and a half hours of the day, just setting my bike up. And it was, it was crazy. I don't know if I'll do that one again. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, thanks again, you guys. And you are on the hook. I will probably ask you tons of questions via email do, or whatever. Yeah. So. yeah, do. Hit us up. Hit us Absolutely. up. We'd love it. Oh, and leave a, leave a Google review. Oh, okay. absolutely. Or Amazon, sorry, not Google, Amazon review on the, on the Amazon site because the more people, athletes that are using the book and they're saying they got something out of it, even if you haven't like used it a lot yet, like say something because it'll help people find it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I've already used it. You know, I've already, yeah. I've already used it. Um, so I'm excited. I'm back in the pool. It made me Yay. like talking to you guys. I was like, I, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, have a great swim. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye, Allie. All right. Thank you for listening to this podcast. This episode of Literally is sponsored by Lexicon and Line. Case? 
Tell us a little something about Lexicon Online. Uh, Lexicon Online it does three things. They, they are communications consultants. They teach professional business writing and speaking courses, and they are research and data evaluation experts. And you can find everything about Lexicon Online at lexicononline.com. Please give them a visit, and thank you so much for sponsoring this podcast, Lexicon Online.